0: It's always very difficult for us to um, be here all the time. Uh, different things come up, sickness, health, whatever. Um, but I just want to encourage you that on our website, because of um, lots of requests, I've been uh, uh, taping our time together and all the audio is up there, and um, inclu- including the uh, handouts and fill in the blanks along with the uh, notes for that. So <clears throat> you're more than welcome to go there and and either catch something that may be missed or, or whatever uh, up there. Okay, any, any questions that we get started today? Um, just a quick overview of what we've been covering. We spent three the first three weeks of this 21-week uh, <clears throat> time together looking at what we'll call uh, the person and work of Christ. And then from there, we've moved into what we call angelology, or I'll, I'll actually say it really more um, the spiritual realm. So what's in the spiritual realm? We looked at the things that are beyond just what we can see, so literally the places that do exist in the spiritual realm. We understood that from how it works and fits together. Then we also looked at Satan and all the aspects of him, his pre-fall condition, his fall. We looked at uh, God's response, his sin in detail, and how it corresponds to even some of the things we're challenged with personally. Um, We looked at uh, his role, uh, both today and tomorrow, and we looked at the condemnation, his condemnation in the fall of man. <clears throat> we looked at Satan's uh, work through a time as we know it, and then what is coming up in the future. We looked at his names. We said in the scriptures that, that Satan's names are really, are a person's names, a, pers- a personality's names are very, very important because they speak about the, the, the character of that person. So we looked at that. We also looked at his current and future role in judgment. Then we started into a multi-week study about uh, the uh, fallen angels and the demonic world. And uh, we looked at two weeks of the truth about demons themselves, their nature, their activities, um, the way in which they work. And then we looked at um, temptation over a two-week period. One, we wanted to look very closely at how did Satan tempt Christ? Just a fascinating study. And we, we pulled out of that really three main big areas of, of categories of temptation that, that we exercise or interact with all, on a regular basis. But when we say in Hebrews that um, this is that, that Christ was tempted in all ways like we are, what were those ways? So we looked at those three ways and, and uh, beneath which I, I do believe that all, uh, all, all, all temptations fall in some way underneath that. Then we, uh, last uh, two weeks ago we we looked at the or two times ago we looked at the doors that demons use. In other words, in our own lives. How do they how do they knock on the door? What doors do they knock on? And, and, and do we leave them ajar? A, a and and how do we kind of board those up and keep keep that out in our lives? And then last time we got together we looked at a tale of two worldviews, which I'll just show you really quickly. Our time together today is going to be looking at the poison and the doctrine of demons. So the poison they use to um, infiltrate or to um, work on our minds, and how does that work. The last time we got together, uh, this was the study that we looked at. Um, I will be bringing a, a physical copy of this. If you didn't get it down last time, I'll be bringing this, and, and I'll give you a, a master copy that you can take uh, and have as a part of your um, resource uh, library. So we looked at uh, the, the two worldviews, man's worldview and the biblical worldview. Everything from where we've come from, why we're here, what's right and wrong, and where we're going. We said that those are the four pillars of what a A worldview consists of, and everybody has a worldview. Everybody understands something about where we came from, something about why we're here, something about what's right and wrong, and something about where we're going. Those are the four pillars that we talk about. And so this tends to frame up how you can actually interact with people who may not know the Lord, and ask them just open-ended questions that would facilitate or trigger dialogue that could really Give evidence of of uh, where they stand spiritually, and then give you rise to be able to interact on some of these things that are so important uh, in this area. So that's that's what we went through here. And then last time we got together, um, we've last two times we've gotten together, we talked about how does this interact with us spiritually. And I'll also bring one of these for you next week also. Um, it's not in your notes either. <clears throat> but we talk about developing intimacy with God in that our relational intimacy from lowest to highest with God um, is directly proportional to our heart and mind being divided or undivided. And so when you look at like the lowest level, it's a divided heart, uh, kind of I'll call it in the red zone, okay? And uh, it also is the lowest level of intimacy, uh, the next level is, is kind of the yellow zone, and um, it kind of looks green, doesn't it? Um, it's the yellow zone that uh, would be the next level up, and then from there is the green zone, and then hopefully the blue zone, which is the, really the highest level. And we said that sin is that agent in our life that as we um, say yes to it, uh, it, it drives down intimacy with God, and it drives down... Uh, it, it, it divides the heart, and it creates 100% of the time. Remember when we went through, through, through the temptation process and the um, process that, that, that uh, works on our hearts in, in, in temptation? What we said is, what, what, was the, what was the 100% of the time death was the outgrowth or the, the end game of that process? Remember that? looked at that and, and, and studied that in, in detail. And then, literally, um, life, or as Christ says, abundant life, is that, uh, the highest level of, of experience, uh, experiential uh, life with, with, with the Lord, here and now, not just something in the future, but literally here and now. So uh, sin is that agent that will um, tend to uh, make where we, where we live in our lives, in any given day, any given week, um, where that is. So just kind of a visual, some people are more visual than others, and, and I thought that this would be a helpful thing to just kind of get it. You know, it's like, wow, that, that really, I understand that, and I can I can think about that really well in my life. Okay, um, our time together today, um, could you leave that door open, Rick? It's getting a little warm in here. Sure. <clears throat> Um, Our Time Together today then, is to really look at four things. First is um, the characteristics of of fallen angels' poison. Um, The second is the cornerstones of their religion. The third is the seven pillars of what we'll call postmodernism. And literally, that is like an aggregate of all the things that we'll go through before that. And then we're going to finish off strong with um, understanding our adversary and the conclusions that we're going to come to in this whole... Study so far of um, of our adversary. Um, there, there's a handout back there. If you don't have your handout, but if you have it, Rick, it's in there. Okay, so let's start with the characteristics of their poison. Um, the first is uh, in First is is verbal slander. Verbal slander. Uh, if you turn with me to First Timothy three eleven. By the way, we are going to probably move a lot quicker today than. We normally would just do to trying to make sure we move through um, the, what we want to cover today. Um, so if you get to these verses, um, please just go ahead and read them out loud. <clears throat> First one is 1 Timothy 3.11. Anybody? Great, great. Great, not slander. Okay, it's talking here about wives of deacons and says that they should be dignified or grateful of grace. <clears throat> And New American says, not malicious gossips. Not malicious gossips. Um, The idea here of malicious gossips is slanderers, not slanderers. Um, It comes directly from the way in which uh, Satan uses speech to slander uh, a person. Satan is called a slanderer, Um, and so um, not like uh, slanderers. Another one that I wanted to look at here is James 3. You who are in, who are in the James study would recognize this verse. James 3, verses 8 and 9. Our- okay, so it says no one can tame the tongue. That's not true, is it? Throw you a curveball. It, it says that no man can tra- tame, tra- tame the tongue. I'll say that ten times in a row. <laughs> no man can tame the tongue. But that's not true. The Holy Spirit can, can he? So we are not victims of, of, of the tongue. Um, it, the point here is, without the Holy Spirit, no man can tame the tongue. Um, but the point here is that um, the tongue itself is a, is a restless evil. It is a, um, it's always on the go, and it's always there. And his point here is that it's full of deadly poison. It has viper-like death-dealing poison. And, and it's capable of, of dealing death with, with, with one blow. Slander. Um, Next one is a refusal to confess Christ as Lord. This is a key thing for the dem- demons in the fallen world and and, and and who they influence is that they will not um, confess Jesus as Lord. Uh, turn with me to First Corinthians twelve three. First Corinthians twelve verse three. Somebody got it. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Holy Spirit of God says deeper. Except by the Holy Spirit okay so I mean certainly somebody could like say the words right that's not what's saying it's just saying that nobody can make a, a fundamental commitment publicly that Jesus is Lord of their life and and, and be in the same place as 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 a non-believer uh, you can't do that he's, he's saying and he's also the whole point here also from a demonic perspective of, of a world is that um, is that uh, the demonic world Will acknowledge Jesus Christ as 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 the Son of God. Remember, we read a number of of passages in the in the Gospels about that, but but they will never, until one time in the future when they're made to, say that He's Lord. That would be something completely opposite of their character, and so. But we do know that according to Philippians chapter, um, you know, Philippians chapter three, I think it is, is. He says what. Uh, that every knee and every tongue will bow and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. So there is coming a time in the future when that will occur, when Christ uh, will will make every um, every being in the universe, inclusive of human beings and the spiritual realm, uh, do that. Uh, so what a great thing to, to third do. third thing here is uncleanness. uncleanness. Um, we've looked at Mark 5-2, so we're not going to turn there. Mark 5-2 is the... Um, is the uh, is the story about the thousand, the legion of eight, of, of fallen uh, de- demons who were inhabiting that, that person who was in the in the, in the in the um, in the graves? Remember and and Christ cast them out. Remember, and and they were called the spirit of uncleanness. So uncleanness is just like anything filthy. It's it's filthiness. It's the spirit of anything that's not righteous. It's the spirit of everything that is raised up against who Christ is. It's the spirit of everything that's fallen in nature. And so you, many times uh, demons are, are, are spoken of as spirits of uncleanness because they, are, they, they, are, they come from everything that is not. Good morning. Okay. Second uh, 2 Peter 2.10. Somebody got that one? Okay, so he's talking here about people, but the people are just reflecting the temptations that are behind that, which which is which is the demonic world, and so whether it's the demonic world or whether it's these unrighteous people who are kept under bonds for the day, who are who are um, going to be punished in the future in the day of judgment, he says, verse ten, and especially those, for sure those, especially even greater judgment. "Quote unquote," okay, is for those who quote indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. So, isn't it interesting how how uh, despising authority and indulging in these in in the flesh are two hooks that exist together for, for for to characterize these kinds of people, and they're hooked together from the way in which the demonic world uh, works, in that um, when you say that uh, despise authority, isn't that the greatest thing that Satan wanted to do, is despise authority? He hated anything above him, uh, and the only one above him was God, right? So, So when he says he despised authority, he replicated that against all the children of Satan, all the way through. And so they have this linkage with authority that they hate, And so it's also coupled with, in this case, um, indulging, or the idea is is, uh, those who are in, like, literally fully consumed in the passionate quest of satisfying their flesh. The fleshly desires, the natural desires that the flesh has. That's his point. It's those those two together are, are in this are in this camp. Okay, next is the desire to control. Desire to control. Um, in that same passage, um, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter five, uh, verses eleven through thirteen, uh, the, the 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 fallen angels asked uh, Christ to do what once He was going to cast them out and not put them in the abyss. Where did he ta- what did they say? They want to put them in the pigs, right? And we said at the time that, that demonic beings have this incredible uh, need to um, control. And that's why they want to live in a, in, 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 a, in a living being, is to control that being, preferably human. Um, but in this situation, there were, he wasn't going to let him go into humans, so he said they let it go into an animal at that time, all, all thousand. Okay. Desire to control. So the next one here is the love of praise and worship. By the way, there's, there's handouts in the back. If you don't have them, you're more than welcome to grab them. <laughs> Demonic beings love praise and worship. They love praise and worship. Matthew 4, 8 through 10, you don't need to turn there, but we studied it at length together. This was when Christ was being um, uh, per, uh, tempted, right? And one of the three temptations, the third one, was this desire that Satan had to have him fall down and worship him. And he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. From beginning of time till now. I'll give them all if you'll do this. And so <clears throat> that's the that's Satan's whole goal, and certainly if it's Satan's goal, it's, it's their goal um, that it, that ma- mankind would fall down before him. It's not just falling down, it's the whole point of worship. It's the pet fact of making them supreme above God. That's the whole point they want. Okay, so praise and praise and worship. <clears throat> Revelation 20. Revelation 19 and 22 are two other places in Revelation, in the Revelation, that we don't actually see demonic beings there, but you see the you see the um, see the uh, the dust that comes from behind their ways. In that, uh, 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 an amazing angel is is brought forward, and 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 John in his vision sit, goes to like bow down and worship the angel. The archangel. And and, and, the, and the archangel says, No way, Jose. Not here. You know, that is not something we do. You do not worship me. You worship who? God and God only. And, and, and it's just a, it, It's so subtle. But isn't that interesting that here they are in the third heaven? John's seeing this, you know, in a vision. And he's like, overcome. And he's like, The first and Inclination is to bow down to the spirit being and worship them, and he's going no back, no, don't do it here. You know, we worship God and God only. Um, very important point. Okay, next is deception. You that came in a little bit later. We're moving pretty quick today, so um, next is deception. Uh, in deception, um, uh, you don't have to turn to this one, but you can write down Second um, Corinthians eleven thirty three. Second Corinthians 11:33 that talks about how um, Paul said to the Corinthians I I am so amazed that you have um, that, that that you've allowed Satan to deceive you in, in such a way that you've you, you've lost your passionate desire for who Christ is I'm so amazed that you've let him like um, cause you to wander away from the things that matter most he says Don't do that. And so, deception is one of those key uh, key key things that that demons use in our life to cause us to think about and want anything else but what who Christ is. Okay. Next is the heart is deceitful. The heart is deceitful. Um, Go ahead and turn to Jeremiah 17:9 and 10. Heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17:9 and 10. Somebody got it. Go ahead. The heart is the seat of all things, desperately to raise Okay. The Lord serves so the high praise, every man a proof of his people. New American friends. says, uh, instead of who can know it, it says, and is desperately sick, who can understand it? Same thing. The point is that um, the heart, our hearts are um, factories that create idols, so they're factories that like manufacture idols in such a way that it would be anything but God, and that's how the, the demonic world interacts with us: is is to go, you know, hey, how about this one? <laughs> how about this one? You know, and really raise up anything that might exist that might take God's place. So it's it's a it's a heart of of uh, of, of a factory producing idols. Okay, um, so it's very deceitful. He says. Who can know it? The great news is what? Verse 10. I, the Lord, know it. <laughs> I search the heart. Why do you think David said in, in Psalm 52, search me and know me, try my heart, right? It's because God's the one that can put our heart on trial and, 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 dis- and decide our motivations of our heart and, and judge through them in such a way that would um, cause, a, cause us to understand truth about who we are. And that's what we want God to be able to do in our life. The next is deception as it pertains to enticing believers to sin. Enticing believers to sin. I'm not going to turn to this one, but it's, uh, Paul's talking to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, you know, I- I'm concerned that the tempter has tempted you and that you've, you- that you've listened to him. I'm concerned about that. Um, and, and so, certainly, they, they entice. And what does the word entice mean? Pardon me? Tempt. Tempt, or remember when we looked at James 1 as to the nature of temptation? What was like the word entice? Throw out a bait, right? And it was to pull it along in front of a person. Yeah, lure, like in fishing or something, right? It was like captivate their, their attention uh, was the goal of, of, of allure or enticement. Okay, next is the deception of non-believers. Deception of non-believers. I'm not going to look at 2 Corinthians 4, but that's probably the key one there. Uh, In that one, it says what? It says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't know him so that they may not know and understand the truth. So think about little eyelids, you know, and like window shades. Okay? (coughs) The God of this world, Satan... Has gone around from the moment of beginning of, of conception in their in their minds. He's pulled down all the shades. <laughs> when you look at people in the eye, the shades are all down. They can't figure out spiritual truth. They, there's no way for them to get it. They are spiritually dead. And the one who has closed those, pulled down all the shades, and, and is not certainly helping them on to seeing the light, uh, is is the God of this world. The one who God has given this world to but we'll require it back at, at some day. Okay, next is relation to the Word of God. Relation to the Word of God. Two weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the sower. Remember that? And it was our responsibility. We have great, great seed, and we're supposed to be faithful sowers. So we're throwing the seed out, and it's going out there, and it never comes back void. But sometimes it doesn't take root, right? And even if it takes root, sometimes it doesn't grow fruit. And so that first one of the soils, what does it say? It says that that God allows the seed to go out to the, to those hearts, right? But who comes along and picks it up before uh, when they don't understand it? Satan it says Satan comes along and picks up those seeds if they're in a heart of not understanding or, or anti God in, in any way, shape, or form. He'll come along and snatch that up so they don't like it doesn't take root, doesn't 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 germinate. And and think about that for a second in in the way in which we interact with people and how we communicate the gospel and, and just the role that we were responsible for versus God. I mean Take the time to be able to make sure that that seed has the best cultivated soil as possible. But you know, at the end of the day, it's God who's going to do the work to open up the eyelids. He's going to go over there and like flip it open, you know? You ever see those like, those, 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 those things, pull, pull the shades down? I used to do this when I was a kid. I'd like have done it, like, I'd let it go and it go. You know, fall off at the top. That's what God that's what we want God to do. It's like, let's pray that God does you know at the top, because that's how that's how it works. You know, he He is the only one that can make that go flying back up again and, and, and never to come down again. Okay. The last one here is the nations. Uh, the, the fallen world deceives the nations. Turn with me if you would to Revelation sixteen. Revelation sixteen <clears throat> Verse fourteen. Let's look at 13-14. He says, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Who's the dragon? Who's the great red dragon? (coughs) Satan. Okay? So I saw coming out of the mouth of Satan and out of the mouth of the beast. Who's the beast? Antichrist. Okay? And out of the mouth of the false prophet. Who's the false prophet? He's the one who will come alongside Antichrist on planet Earth during the tribulation period and and be the one who will um, perform signs and wonders through great power that that Satan gives him. And so out of these three came, quote, unclean spirits like frogs. So they dispatch fallen angels, uh, mucky-muck spirit beings, okay, uh, in verse 14, they're demons and they perform signs which go out to all the kings of the whole world for what purpose? So they go out to every leader on planet Earth that still exists for what purpose? To unite. to unite them, to bring them, to put hooks in their mouths, to call them, to bring them to the center center of the universe, which is the Middle East. He's going to pull them to that place for this great battle of Armageddon. And so he's going to cause, he's, he's, Satan's going to cause these demons, to go out and put in sight in their hearts the ability to deceive them and to bring them to this place, which will be their final resting place. Okay? We see the same thing happen at the end of the, end of the millennial kingdom in chapter 20, where he says, you know, he goes out and he, and he deceives all the nations, again, because he's been let out of the abyss. And he comes and he, to, to deceive all the nations, and he calls them again. And their hearts resonate with him. And they, they, they the last battle. Okay, So this is how fallen angels interact with human beings. They, 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 uh, their whole goal is to slander. Uh, they won't confess Christ as Lord. They're full of uncleanness. They have a desire to control. They love praise and worship, and they deceive their very nature. Okay, um, I want to move on to looking at the lying cornerstones of their religion as opposed to the characteristics of their poison. And the cornerstones of their religion, I think it's very important to, for us to say that when we looked at our study of Genesis chapter 3, you're going to see Genesis chapter 3 laced through all of these things. And I am not going to be exhaustive in this. This is just like like 50,000 feet, and I'm only going to hit certain ones because I'm not going to be able to have enough time to hit like the key religions of the world, which I would call them also doctrines of demons. Um, but I'm going to hit on a couple of them here. Reincarnation is the first one. Genesis 2.17 and 3.4 says, um, back to the Garden of Eden. Again, The reason why am I going back to the Garden? It's because nothing's changed, guys. Folks, nothing has changed. It's still the same lie that was back in the Garden. You shall not die. You shall not die. And what does reincarnation say? You shall not die. You will come back. This life is not all there is. You will have another chance. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit. And it started from the very first uh, lie that, that Satan wanted to tell Eve. Okay, um, this comes a lot from Hinduism. Hindu's caste, Hinduism's caste system. Uh, everybody knows what the caste system is. Like different levels of Hindu, in Hindu culture, there's different levels of uh, of culture, and literally, um, there's the low you call it the lowest caste, um, and and the highest. And people, their destiny fixed within these things while they're here at this time. People can come back, and that's why you think, you see that they, um, they love cow. I mean, they, they won't kill cows or those kind of things. It's because um, that might be you, you in a different life, so to speak. Um, uh, Buddhism also has a, 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 a hold on reincarnation. In current day, you see it in in, in, in new and different ways around things called like dianetics. You heard about dianetics, okay? This would this would also speak of it, and uh, a way or the pathway into this um, uh, is chan. One of the things tied tied into this is channeling. You might have heard channeling, which is really allowing a spirit guides to. To come into you really, or to speak to you in such a way that would allow you to go back and somehow visit those other lives and know what they were and see what's coming up next, kind of thing. Um, okay, uh, karma's belief. Um, this whole this whole idea of uh, nirvana. You might have heard the word nirvana, or you know, like this, you know, blissful state. Um, that that is one of the highest levels of this reincarnation that would exist. Um, Shirley MacLaine um, uh, speaks of this when she says, you just keep doing it until you get it right. <clears throat> you just keep doing it until you get it right. Um, you all heard of Shirley MacLaine. So um, she was very, she's very strong on, on, on this. Issue. So um, she would believe that you keep coming back. Um, another um, kind of pathway tied to this is uh, past life regression. Past life regression—you hear that in counseling sessions and stuff. So it's like going into the counseling session somehow. But well, let's, let's not just talk about what happened when you were a child. But let's—I mean—you're manifesting things that I'm sure are parts of like your former lives. And let's talk about that. And it's like really weird stuff, you know. So uh, that's how that comes into play. Um, you hear the word déjà vu, déjà vu, right? All of us heard that. Um, well, for some people, that would mean something that you know happened in this life that I remember kind of comes to clarity, right? Um, but uh, for them, it would be something that would be in a, in another life, a different life. Okay. Um, any questions on that? So, uh, reincarnation. What what's a key verse to counteract reincarnation? Exactly. Hebrews nine fourteen. Hebrews nine fourteen is appointed under man wants to die, and then comes the judgment. That's it. One life to live. Okay, good. Next one. Uh, just, I mean, just go out there and just do a search on Google or whatever, and you, you're going to come up with some weird stuff, okay? So this is the reincarnation station. It's literally a website that you can go to be able to put your data in, and you and they'll tell you, like, what, what lives you had in the past and, like, you know, maybe which ones are coming up in the future. Um, it's, it's this whole idea of life before birth, you know, afterlife of a woman here. Will you be reincarnated? You know, you, are you coming back as a bug? Um, past life soul regression, lots of stuff. But you can't quite see it here. But uh, if if you were to see this, this is like a person standing up and then going down and then coming back up as a person. But over here is like a male coming into a mammal, coming person. You see it in the background a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same kind of thing. So th- so that's very very uh, much a part of how that would look. Okay. Um, next one is uh, esotericism. Esotericism. Um, this really comes from Genesis three five, where it says, "And and, and when they ate the fruit, uh, she ate the fruit. Uh, both of them did that. Quote: <coughs> Their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. So this was a key thing. It's the point here is enlightenment through enlightenment through satanic um, conversion. Enlightenment. Enlighten. Enlightenment. Through satanic conversion, es- SO uh, I could probably turn to Kim on this one. Esso means um, like within, um, within, and so esoteric would be kind of the inside self. So esoteric, ter- esotericism would be from all within. And, and what 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 other thing that I'm not going to talk about today? Did we look at from? From Second Corinthians chapter eleven, tied to tied to this. Or excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter ten, tied to this. Remember, mysticism. What's mysticism? Trying to come up with truth just from within. Remember. So, so you have this kind of coming up with truth, coming and figuring it out from just what I think from within, and and that's what what matters most. Okay. So, enlightenment through satanic conversion is 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 to be able to um, know things that people don't know today. Um, in this way, I, I have a very good friend of mine who um, is a non-believer, and his past family's life has, um, I believe, you know, demonic um, influence, and um, has has, think even possession through. The, but it's the kind of thing that actually passes on generation to generation as as they've grown, and uh, it's quite wild because, I mean. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's knowledge that they have about things that no one could know those things outside in the natural realm. Um, not about the future, but things in the present. So you can tell very quickly that that's the difference. Um, and, and they're not always right, but it's, it's just kind of weird. So it's from within, being given this kind of uh, uh, eyes-opened um the pursuit of like this higher knowledge, Gnosticism. It was another part of this, which kind of said that there's this higher knowledge, you know, the, the real enlightened ones, the ones that uh, that really get it. Uh, they have an inside track to this, these different levels of of, of spirituality, basically. Um, and so it's all it's all about uh, spiritual knowledge. It's all about knowing things. Experience is everything. Uh, there's dimensions of energy that you can tap into in their mind. Uh, knowledge um, only to a small circle of enlightened or initiated few, so you want to be one of those and somehow get to that level. Um, Madonna uh, has, Madonna leans fully into uh, an outgrowth of this. Uh, anybody know what the, the, the religion is that she, she holds to? Kabbalah. So Kabbalah is another component of this that would be this kind of enlightened. And what you notice is this, this stuff is just re, 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 it's just kind of coming back in the same ways, same things, you know, did today that it, it, it's done since the garden. The pathways are transcendental meditation, um, mind-altering drugs, um, transcendental meditation, mind-altering drugs, and as we talked about before, channeling. <coughs> channeling. Um, Channeling, certainly opening yourself up to, uh, you know, this <laughs> demonic world or the spiritual realm in such a way that uh, um, is inviting uh, for um, uh, spirit beings to inhabit and to take over and to influence and to have their way. Mark? Yes? There's uh... That's opening up the mind to um, I, I would. I, I personally would stay away from hip, hypnotism. Not that hypnotism itself is bad, but that it's opening your mind up to, and it's, it's leaving it open in a way that you're not in control of that. And uh, I would just encourage people to not do that, as you know personally. But it is putting yourself in a, in an open state that you never know. You know. Absolutely um, they ever Sally. I don't. I, probably not the if they're wise and discerning. God it, it wouldn't be a I don't see it as a healthy thing but I would stay away from it probably had no, like yeah. some dental meditation was really just um, uh, it came from the Eastern Eastern culture and it uh, um, usually given um, kind of a word to meditate on what you didn't know is that word was probably in 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 the Eastern religion actual name of a God um, it, it really ever know that probably usually but it was focusing it was focusing um on that name and then opening yourself up to just nothingness and the point is that when you do that then then uh um you know people have had uh, states of of floating states of going different places You, you hear about um cosmic uh travel and these kinds of things you know um but at the end of the day um Meditation's not bad. It's that medit- You want? What does the scripture say? <laughs> meditate on my word, right? It's my word that you meditate on, not just opening yourself up to anything and everything it might come down the pipe. Pretty good. Yeah. How does yoga fit into this? Uh, y- yoga. Um, I mean, as a as a way to like exercise and stuff. I mean, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure I would. Isn't that also from the same? Yeah. Uh, Partly. Sure, it comes from the same. Um, area of the world and it's tied there to um, to their to the religions that they have. Um, you know, it's been brought here just like TM was, just like a bunch of other things, as just a way to you know exercise and do things. You know, I mean, we, we have it. We have a lot of these things. It's really scary because a lot of this stuff shows up in Motorola and some of these large companies as just you know they pay for it and other things, and it's like pretty wild. You you end up wondering like how that's you know, happening that way. But, um, but yeah, yoga, again, back to the same issue, is, is going to uh, um, you know, open yourself up to, to things that you would not necessarily uh, want to have, uh, have there. Um, anybody else got any comments around yoga itself? But again, it's, 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 co- it's coming from that same culture in, uh, along with all the other things that came from the East to America in back in the 670s. and classes can be very interesting. Sure, the stretches are very guaranteed. Long, but almost, <laughs> I think almost a uh, well, some Exactly, of, you know, they might not be odds yep. even, but they're going to say and hey, something. Whatever <laughs> here, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, almost any class. Yeah. I mean, I know even at the hospital the classes they tell you what to meditate. And on. It's usually like mind flushing right. exercises. Mm-hmm. So you know. Take all the stuff out, you know, and try to clean, cleanse your mind. I mean, it's all this man-made kind of finger-forward kind of thing as a student, dwelling on the word of God. Our, 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 the hospital has something involved in um, all, all these, Or tar- if you're having a bad day, you can hook yourself up to the computer labs and cause your heart rate to <laughs> I mean, People think it's one like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. And then they run off to the, a li- lot of times they'll sit in the library and then they'll take yeah. themselves down. It's. As opposed to what, what what have we been talking very seriously for the last few years about, you know, it's, it's how do we respond to these kinds of things in our lives, right? So, um, how, what does the Word of God say about this? And how do I think rightly about what's really going on here? And how do I obey the Lord through this? And those are the things, you know, what does God call this stuff? This anxiety, this fear, this, like, you know, stress and all this other stuff. You know, I mean, how do, we, how, do we, how do we exercise that in our lives? And so we've been talking a lot about that in this class, I know. Okay, good. Next is uh, pantheism. Pantheism. Um, here you'll see back to Genesis three five. Um, he says, um, uh, "You eat this, and you will quote be like God. You will be like God." Well, in in this in this religion, pan means all, and theism is what? What's theism mean? God, okay, study of God. Okay, so pantheism is what? That God is all in all. Um, okay, all is God, and God is all. Um, so everything around us, what we touch, feel, taste, it's all blended together in uh, in God. And we are really, we can tap into that as an ultimate realization of being gods ourselves, is the idea. Um, Okay. In this situation, matter is illusory, meaning it doesn't really exist. Uh, the mind is really where is, is the real reality. Mind is the real reality. You might have heard a lot of this was for as far as like, well, whatever you think, that, that's where the universe is, right? I'm just going to go to a place where you're not, <laughs> and therefore you don't exist anymore. I was like, okay, <laughs> um, okay. Another thing here is man can be his own savior. Man can be his own savior. In this case, situation, salvation occurs when matter and the mind are reunited through meditation. Salvation occurs when matter and the mind are reunited through meditation. So, what would not exist in this in this worldview? God doesn't exist. Christ doesn't exist. Sin doesn't exist. Right? So, saving here is, is talking about what? Again, it's not... You know, let's not draw the circle around who God is, right? Let's draw the circle around who what we are. <laughs> so it's all about almost all of these. It, you can you can just paint that broad brush. You know, it's about it's about me, not about God. Um, okay. A couple of things on this one is world pantheism, or pantheism. Uh, this happened to be a one here again, re- revering the universe, caring for nature, celebrating life. What's wrong with that? You know. Uh, a couple of things here: save the habitat. uh, Where we are, put yourself on the map. Pentheus, meet up, wonder back in the world. What's wrong with that? This is interesting here. It says, those who dwell among the beauties and mysteries of the earth are never alone or weary of life. Those who contemplate the beauty of the earth find resources of strength, reserves of strength that will endure as long as life lasts. The more clearly we can focus our attention on the wonders and realities of the universe about us. Less, um, taste we shall have for destruction. Um, you're in good company. Albert Einstein was uh, was a pantheist. Okay? Um, so I, a couple of their tenets. Uh, uh, we revere and celebrate the universe as a total being. We acknowledge the inherent value of life, human and non-human. So both. Uh, th- there would not be a um, higher, uh, higher level of consciousness from their perspective. God... Man would not be created in the image of God. Um, all life would 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 be common. It would be at the same plateau region, probably. Um, humans are the equal are equal centers of awareness of the universe and nature. So it's really to become one with the universe is is the idea. Um, there is a single kind of substance, energy, matter which is vibrant, infinitely creative in all its forms. Body and mind are indivisibly united. Then they never really deal with like matter. How did matter come into existence? Well, it's, it's just a it's part of, I think, that way, so there it is. And Another one is we see death as the return to nature of our elements and of our existence as individuals. Our elements are endlessly recycled in nature, so they just go around and keep going around and become a part of the greater whole. Um, we need to keep our minds open. Every individual has direct access through perception, emotion, and meditation, see that word again, to ultimate reality. So ultimate reality becomes what I think it is, um, and w- where where I can go with that, uh, which is the universe and nature. There's no need for meditation by priests, gurus, or revealed scriptures. Okay. So again, this is you're going to find people, a lot of people out there that that would lean into many of these areas. Um, so the next one here is relativism. Frederick uh, Nietzsche was probably one of the greatest relativists, and he says, you have, a, you have your way, I have my way. Let's hit the highway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, have my, you have your way, I have my way. As for the right way, the correct way, and the only way, it does not exist. Not again, so the, the whole point here is that absolutes do not exist, right? Mm. A, absolutes don't exist. They, they just do not exist at all. Okay? Um, again, Genesis 3.5, knowing good and evil experiencing, knowing good and evil. So when I experience good and evil, I know it for myself. You can know it for yourself. But what I think good and evil is is what I think it is. And so that that becomes very relativistic. And so... You know, I appreciate how you view it, but, you know, don't look down on me. What, what's a key thing tied to this whole area? It's tolerance, right? Remember? It's like tolerance. It's like you can do whatever you want, but don't infect your views on me because what I view versus what you view, regardless of what the situation is, is it's okay. And you know what? We're both right at the end of the day. I mean, isn't that just like pregnant throughout all the thinking of our culture? Okay. Judges 17.6, in uh, twenty I'm not going to turn there, but it's talk, it talks there about, in Judges, <clears throat> about this whole issue of every man did what was right in in their own eyes, right? Every man did what was right in their own eyes. And so because a leadership didn't exist, and because that was not there, um, and God, God was not lifted up as being the highest uh, of high, highest, then... Um, when left to their own devices, mankind is just going to try to figure out themselves and then they're going to, whatever you think is right is right and just go with it. Okay. Um, Proverbs 12.15. Uh, somebody want to um, uh, read that? Proverbs 12.15. Really kind of picks up on the same context. Anybody got it? The way of a fool is right in his own. Okay? The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. So, again, it doesn't. At, at the end of the day, let me let you in on a secret. It is a really important secret. You can tell a lot of people about it. Okay? You and I believe doesn't really what God says matters. Now, my goal in my life is to understand what He says. Because at the end of the day, I can think that these things don't exist. Or I can lean fully into, you know... This is all hogwash. You know, it really doesn't matter, <laughs> because because truth is truth. So it's gonna it's gonna land it in a place that would allow for um, uh, the scriptures to be to, to be to be true. Okay. Uh, next is that since man is his own god, he can write the rules. Real important dogma. Since man is his is his own god, logi, uh, then we can write the rules. Now isn't that really what Adam and Eve did, right? It's like, I'll, thank you very much, I, I appreciate your input, right? I'll put myself on the throne, I'm going to judge through what you think, you, you said God, and what I want. And you know what, at the end of the day I found you wanting, so I'm going to take this one here, and I'm going to lean fully into that one. Isn't that what they did? That's what relativism is. It's like, thank you for all your input, I'm going to make my own mind up. And that's just like pregnant in our culture, it's like that's what it is. Is is making their own mind up about everything. Okay. Next is that since evil does not exist, and there is no right or wrong here, why is there no right or wrong really at the end of the day? Because everything's relative. Right. Since man, since evil does not exist, man's problems are not due to sin but ignorance. So if we just got more enlightened, just understood better, then then we would somehow come come to grips with that. So. Next is that enlightenment is the answer to everything. Enlightenment is the answer to everything. The next one here, um, I talked about Nietzsche here. Next one here is uh, relativism. Relativism. This comes from, like, knowing good and evil, again. And uh, there's three types of relativism. I didn't put this in your handouts, but there's cognitive relativism, which is that affirms that all truth is relative. There's moral or ethical relativism. Uh, what would that say then? If cognitive relativism or truth says that there are no absolutes, what would moral or ethical relativism say? Morals, really, there's no absolutes to morals, right? It's just a matter of the culture that they grew up in, and therefore, um, you know, it's, if, if they say it's okay, then it's okay. Um, and the last one here is situational relativism, which we've heard for so long, which is what? Situational relativism. Pardon me, all depends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Well, it, you know, it just depends, and you know, it's like so the so the so the, the so what is dependent upon the context, and and there isn't any right or wrong to do in that context. It's it, it's, it's relative, right? You see that situational ethics um, kind of explode there. Okay, good. The next one is hedonism. 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 Hedonism comes from Genesis three six where he says, And after she saw the fruit, that it was what? Good for food, a delight to the eyes, and desirable, make her wise, she ate it. And so it's those three things that come in, uh, under this heading of hedonism, good, delightful, desirable. And uh, what we see here is that man's happiness is our highest good and aim. Man's happiness is our highest good and aim. Um, a, a man by the name of e- e- Epicurus, e- Epicurus or Epicureanism, you hear about like I'm going to make this epicurean delight. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What's that what's that refer to? Mm-hmm. Right? But what is it meant why is it epicurean? It- it's to it, it's, it, it's 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 <laughs> it's such that it would bring out the highest form of experience with the palate. So that's Epicureanism tied to Hedonism. It's like I want I want to to engage all the senses in satisfying myself. Very selfish situation. Very selfish uh, death spiral. And you see this all the time. Um, like I was I was floored. Like um, they have this this thing. You know you, you hear on the commercials on TV, and it's like. What 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 goes around in, in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. You hear that all the time, right? That's this stuff. That's hedonism. It really is. Like you can go do whatever you want and then like you know, leave that behind and everything's okay. It's like just indulge yourself and and and, and, and do whatever. Um, so there's this hedonistic mindset in our world that just says, you know, pleasure uh, pleasure's everything, um, do whatever comes natural. Um, fulfill yourself, you know the old the Budweiser commercial, you know things. Oh, you, know, you get one chance in life, you know, take it for all Augusto. And all those things are all about satisfying my own natural cravings. So, any questions about hedonism? I mean, I think that's probably the most blatant one in our society today, isn't it? Oh yeah. um, it's Just like cross everything that can't watch the TV for a Sunday afternoon hardly without you know, coming face to face with that. Yeah. Now, what's fascinating to me is how all these different ones I've shared with you now come together in what we call postmodernism. And so let me talk you through that one. Postmodernism and the seven pillars of postmodernism look like this. The first one is that why would we be so surprised? No absolutes exist. Relativism reigns. It's like that um, that's how it is. And what 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 generation kind of 20-somethings, 30-somethings is probably where you're going to see most of this, right? Because, like, low 20s and younger, now is what? Not postmodern, it's what? Pardon me? It's Generation Y now versus Generation A. It's like (laughs) post-postmodern. It's the death of modernism. (laughs) It's the death of postmodernism now. Um, If if this was that no absolutes exist, that becomes, you know, um, looking for... Um, answers that but uh, whatever's within yourself is the answer uh, um, no absolutes exist to I, I create the answers myself um. so when people have the, the mindsets like this then what's fascinating to me is when you when you're engaging with them in, with scripture or with, with absolutes where does this like it just clashes it's just like you know you can explain this is like but they're coming from a completely different perspective. And you have to somehow break that down and somehow get inside their lives. You see, you see how how crazy it is? Like, it's not the same as it was. Like, you know, sharing the gospel with you know people that are you know forty and above. I mean, w- when we grew up, there were absolutes. There was right and wrong. It was like that's the way it is. Don't question it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> now it's question everything until you prove it right. <laughs> it's like radically different. And so, now you start to see how our, our, our kids think and how, how, how important it is for us to understand that as to how we, how we share with them truth. Okay? So, second is no truth exists, tolerance flourishes. Third is that no rules to live by exist. No rules to live by exist. So what? Do all what is right in their own eyes. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna make up the rules as I go along, and you know what my rules rule. Um, the next one here is that there are no standards to live by or to that exist. So what? Set uh, 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 all set standards um, where they've already arrived. Isn't that interesting? When we move from the fact that absolutes exist, which is what holiness is, God is, deal with it, right? To God doesn't exist. I create the standard. Hundred percent of the time. What am I going to? Where am I going to set the bar? Going to set it where I am. <laughs> then I can then I can explain to everybody else how I'm okay and you're not, <laughs> or somebody else isn't. Right? Remember, it's like you know God grades on this curve, you know, and it's like you know I'm better than so and so, so somehow he's going to figure this out. Well, not, that's not how it is. Not how it is. Um, that wouldn't be holiness. That'd be something less than holiness, right? And we're always less than holiness, always. Next one is that no judge exists. No judge exists. Accountabil- accountability accountability is, dis- is is extinguished. That's the whole goal with 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 evolution. The whole goal with evolution. Because if evolution is true, no God exists. Therefore, in a worldview in in creating a worldview. If you come to the worldview with with the presuppositions, then they then those are going to help create what is truth. And so if 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 this stuff just kind of came into existence somehow some way and no great no creator exists then then when I look back to where I came from I look forward to where I'm going my destiny my destiny says I'm not accountable. There is no time in the future when God the will judge the living and the dead. It it doesn't exist. The next one is that there's no judgment will exist. If there's no judge, no judgment exists. All of us are God's children. He loves them all. You've heard this, right? Mm -hmm. God is a God of love. How could He ever judge? You know, He's going to sort it out in the in in, in the wash. Uh, You know, I, I can't be the judge of anybody else. So why should you? On and on and on. Right. Next one here is that. Therefore, what's the therefore? It's that. Both our culture and the church at large, okay, have lost the right perspectives as to holiness, God's holiness, His transcendence above His creation, and last but not least his glory. And, and any time the church or the world loses a high view of who God is, we are left to our own devices. When the church comes back to a high view of God, then everything changes. Everything changes. Because God is, and he exists, and he's glorious, and he's above all, he's transcendent, he's, he's engaged in my life, and he has everything, um, he has my best interests at heart, and he's sovereign, he's Lord of all, he's above all. Okay, um, so our conclusions in, 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 at the end of our time together, for, for all of what we've been looking at here, as it pertains to, um, I want to deal with this from logic. I've shared with you everything else. I've shared it with you the scriptures. I've shared with you all the pieces. Okay. Now, you never, you, you never win arguments by logic. Never. The Spirit of God is the only one that breaks through to change. But let me give you at least the framework of logic that is important to be able to deal with somebody from the standpoint of how all the things we've talked about so far. First is, if God knows everything, then Satan cannot. God knows everything, Satan cannot. What is what is that? Uh, what is that saying? In so many words, saying in so many words. There's only one omnipotent being in the universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. God's omnipotent; Satan's not. Yeah, very much so. The next one is there can only be one being in the universe that knows all things. Knowing knowing things is what omnipotence. I mean omniscience, right? Mm-hmm. There's if there's only one, uh, you cannot have two beings in the universe that are omniscient. Because one would not know what the other one knows. (laughs) Follow me? So there's only one being in the universe that's omniscient. Omniscience is a character of God and God only. cannot be a character of anybody else. Okay. God does and therefore Satan doesn't. Omnipotence. God is all-powerful. Therefore what? Only one being in the universe can have all the power. One being. Next one is that God created Satan. God created Satan. It's not yin and yang. It's not black and white fighting together, don't know who was going to win. Okay? It's God created Satan. What's the so what? Well, the so what is Satan is accountable to God. God created... If if if, if you created something here, uh, and it's a different form of creation, right? We take things that are already created and make them something else. God took nothing and made it something. <laughs> but let's say that we create something. That thing serves us. It, it can't rise up and go... Well, you serve me. Can't do that. Creation is always lower than the Creator, and God created Satan. So therefore, Satan is accountable to God and must, as we looked at in Job, what? Ask, per, ask for permission. Ask for permission. Next here is that Satan must obey God. Satan must obey God. Satan does not have to. Ob- God does not have to obey Satan. Satan must obey God, and God does not have to obey Satan. Next one is Satan was defeated spiritually. Satan was defeated spiritually at the cross and by the resurrection of Christ. Done and dusted, yet to be fully consummated, but fully complete at this time. Fully complete at this time. God defeated him spiritually at the cross. And by the resurrection of Christ. Amen? What a great thing we can we can look to. Last but not least here is God will defeat him eternally. God will defeat him eternally when God judges him, and throws him into hell to be punished forever and ever. We looked at that. We looked at his downfall. We looked at his judgment. We looked at where his his future um, home is. By the way, that's not ruling hell. He will have the highest form of judgment placed upon him, which worst of the worst, the severest of the severe, but still in the same place that was created for the Satan and his angels. Okay, um, eternally when God judges him and throws him into hell to be punished forever. Um, Grab that door just real quick and I'll close. Um, So, just in closing here, um, a couple things we looked at. We looked at the characteristics of their poison, we looked at verbal slander, uh, their, their inability to confess Christ as Lord, uncleanness, desire to control, love of praise and worship, deception. We looked at the cornerstones of their religion, we looked at reincarnation, esotericism, Uh, pantheonism, relativism, and hedonism. And then we looked at these last, the the seven pillars of postmodernism and how these are really just aggregating or pulling together the same common threads that have existed since the Garden of Eden. And then we looked at uh, our final conclusion about um, Satan's relationship with God and the whole fallen world of angels and demons. Now, he says, "You know, greater is he that is in you." He has um, has judged. His, he he has judged Satan from the standpoint of of his end, uh, the end of of all of the angels. We followed him fo- followed him since the fall in heaven. Satan um, Satan's role in, in bringing sin into the into the world. God condemned that and has set a trajectory or a course to fully consummate. Judging the fallen world and Satan, yet he's given him a long leash. at This text is just getting longer. He called him the god of this world, and in the next years um, here, um, we we saw how he's going to let that leash out. He's going to let it go a little bit. Still, is still tethered to God, and uh, says Tim, Paul says in Timothy says in latter days, you know, men are going to become lovers of themselves and to hate truth, and they're going to By truth, so that good will be evil, evil will be good. See all these things happening today on planet Earth, and it's going to, in the countdown towards the end here, in the final days, um, going to go from bad to worse. Not going to get better. Yet we have this incredibly tremendous hope that really resonates in our souls that says, God, God is coming back again. He's going to set everything right, and He's going to fulfill that which He started, and He's going to consummate. Uh, this thing we call this earth. And he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. A place where the things of this fallen world, the uncleanness, the, the, the spiritual filth, the, 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 all the ramifications of sin in this world will be gone forever. He will, he will live with us. We will live with him. He will be our God. and We will never again experience this thing called evil ever in the future of eternity. But a great promise we have um, that he who began a good work in us will complete it and see him. Amen. somebody like a closing prayer this morning? Rick, can you? Amen. Amen. Have a great day.